I hope that you are coming to the same conclusion that I'm coming to in this series, The Power of Grace. As I listen from week to week and I'm taking in what's being said, I hope you are coming to this conclusion, the same conclusion that I'm coming to in this series, and that's I really love grace. Amen? I, I just really love grace. I mean, listening to Bill talking about the power of grace in Jesus as it takes us and it rescues us from being, in Bill's words, really, really dead and making us really, really alive spiritually. I love that, don't you? I loved how grace was portrayed by Chris as he talked about how through the power of grace in Jesus Christ, we are gifted with these three incredible gifts that we're gifted with righteousness even though we've done so much wrong. And we've been gifted with justification even though we are in fact guilty. And we've been just uh, gifted with propitiation or sacri- uh, sa- sanctification even though we have the guilt of punishment hanging over our heads without the blood of Jesus Christ. I love even this, this image of the grace of God that I spoke about that allows us to join with him in the privilege of using our gifts and blessing others, encouraging them spiritually, helping them in their walk of faith. There have been other things we've talked about in this series, but when you look at just these things and so many other things that come about by the power of grace, we all have to be able to be so impressed and loving grace right now. Loving the grace that we live in every single moment of our lives. But as you think about the power of grace, as you think about this idea, and I hope like you are loving grace, let me give you one more encouragement. And that's this. If you love grace right now, you're going to love grace even more at the end. I mean, if you love the grace that God is pouring out in your life every single day, you're going to love grace someplace in the future, somewhere what we call and oftentimes refer to the end, that moment when the dark shadow of death comes over you and will come over me and will bring our life in this world to an end. I'm saying if you love grace now, you're really going to love grace at the end. At that moment when the ignobility of life takes over, that moment in which our bodies completely fail, that moment when we are looking at the darkness and the dimness of the realities of life, it's at that moment when we place our hope fully in Jesus Christ that grace is going to become something we love even more because it's at that moment when life grows dimmer, grace 
grows brighter. So much brighter. So much brighter than all the dimness and the darkness that comes when the shadow of death comes into our lives. I want you to open your Bible, if you will, to 1 Peter. There are so many passages of Scripture that encourages us and tells us about how grace is just going to keep growing brighter, how there are things that we're going to have to deal with in this life. And we're going to appreciate grace at many levels, but the reality is is there is a grace that's coming to us that's brighter than any grace we have yet to experience. And, And read along with me here, because I think as you filter these words through this idea of a greater grace coming, a brighter grace on the horizon, you're going to appreciate what Peter has to say. Verse 3 of chapter 1. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, verse 6, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though refined by fire, may be found to the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with a joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. You see, as Peter is speaking to these Christians who who are in a time of persecution, and very likely are in the shadow of the threat of death over their lives. He wants them to understand something very important. He wants them to understand that they, even though these things are, are, are pushing in around them and dimming life a little bit, he wants them to understand there's something out there that's brighter, that they have this inheritance that's reserved for them and kept by the power of God. And he wants them to, to understand that they're just waiting, even though this, time, this life may be coming to an end, there is salvation for their souls still yet in the future. Yes, they have experienced a salvation from sin, but there is this ultimate salvation that's coming their way. But it's not until you hit verse 13 that he begins to explain the ultimate reality of what's coming. He says in verse 13, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit and fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The New Century Version you have up here, I like that. So prepare your minds for service and have self-control. 
all your hope should be for the gift of grace that will be yours when Jesus is shown to you. You see, Peter wants them to understand that grace is coming. Yes, they've experienced grace, the grace that saves them from sin. But there is a grace that coming that Jesus is bringing with them that outshines the grace even of what they're experiencing right now. It's a grace that shines brightest because Jesus will come and ultimately usher them and lead them into the eternity and the blessings of God. Yes, even though life grows dimmer, the message is grace grows so much brighter. Well, it's in the anticipation and, and the understanding of this grace that I'm calling the grace at the end. In knowing that, the first thing that I see here that's very important for us is that it frees us from our greatest fear. It frees us, this grace at the end, knowing that that's there for us, it frees us from our fear of death. Our lives as human beings, are, are so precious to us. They may be the very most precious thing to us as, 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 uh, of all. And for those who don't know the hope of Jesus, the prospect of death, the prospect of the ending of our lives creates some of the greatest anxiety and fear known to man. You see, as they think about that prospect of death, the, the fear that's coming is, is that it will mean the end of me. The end of my awareness. The end of all of my experiences. The very end of my essence, my consciousness. And as they contemplate that end, it is something that brings a sense of fear into their lives. And that fear of, uh, of death is something that's universal and it's powerful. You see, it's that fear of death that the law uses to try to make sure that people don't kill other people. Think, right? Right? It's that fear of death that terrorists use against families and individuals and even, even countries in order to get them to do what they want them to do. It, it may even be the fear of death that uh, encourages you to put on your seatbelt before you leave here uh, the parking lot this morning. After all, you do know the Lubbock drivers, right? And it's this, it's this fear of death that oftentimes is the thing that is this great villain that medical researchers and doctors and technicians and nurses are always working each and every day to somehow just keep at bay. But you see, in the midst of all of this fear that is experienced out there in our world, grace, grace has a very, very different message. Grace says to those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, it, it doesn't say be afraid. It says peace. <laughs> be at peace. 
Because you have put your hope in Jesus, you can be at peace because God has made sure that death will not be an end of me. You can be sure, each and every one of us who have faith and hope in Jesus, that in your mind you're not thinking death is going to be the end of me, but the truth is, is that death actually is going to reveal the eternal me. Now think about this. It's, it's not a fear of the end of me. It's a realization death is a gateway to the eternal me. And that promise is found in that beloved scripture and the one that Vernon referred to this morning that we've talked about and we think about and, and, and see it this way. When Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whoever believes in him should not perish, should not come to an end, but have eternal life. He's saying, when you put your hope and faith and trust in me, you won't experience the end of me. You're just going to experience huh, the eternal me. And that's good news for us this morning. And so it's this, this understanding that in our faith in Christ, it, it is something that brings to us not fear of death, but a great anticipation of the life that's coming. And when we think of that life that's coming, is that not what promotes us to sing? There is a stirring deep within me. Can it be? Can it be that my time has come? When I'll see my gracious Savior face to face when all is done? Is that his voice I'm hearing? Come away, my precious one. Is he calling me? Is he calling me? If he is, I'm going to rise up. Amen? I'm going to rise up, and then I'll bow down and lay my crown at his wounded feet. That is the grace that's coming. Praise God for that in our lives. But it's more than this grace frees us from our greatest fear. It's this grace that gives us confidence in the view of judgment. Now listen this morning. Those of us who believe in God and, and believe in His Word, we, we anticipate, we believe in a time that's coming when our Lord and our Judge, Jesus Christ, is going to pronounce upon us our destiny. And it's going to be that time in which is either going to be this thrilling invitation as he speaks about in, in parable form in Matthew 23 and verse tw or in 25 and verse 23 where he says, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in. That's the invitation. Enter into the joy of your master. It's either going to be that type of destiny or it's going to be this devastating denial. The denial that sounds like Matthew chapter 7 in verse 23 where he says, 
I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. You see, this is the judgment of God that will reveal our eternal destiny. It's either going to be heaven or it's going to be hell. It's either going to be an eternal destiny of eternal blessings or eternal condemnation. That's coming. That's coming, one of those, for every one. And if that coming judgment, it's that coming judgment that I believe should cause those who have not put their hope in Jesus to have great dread of the end. But for those of us who are in Christ and have put all of our hope and faith in Him, that coming judgment, listen to me, that coming judgment is simply this exhortation and this encouragement for us to keep walking on that path of faith and grace that will lead us to that heavenly home with Christ Jesus and avoid the condemnation that comes from no faith in Jesus Christ. It's it's a bit disturbing. I get it, but it's a bit disturbing that while that's true for us in Christ Jesus, this this understanding that, that Christ's pronouncement will be this great invitation and welcome into his presence forever. That I still, in the, in, in the 30 years of ministry, I have encountered one faithful Christian after another, that I've sat with them by their bed, I've sat with them at the hospital, and as the end is coming, too many times people look at me and they say, Monty, I'm, I'm afraid here. I'm afraid that I haven't done enough to go to heaven. And when I hear those sad words coming from their mouth, my reaction is different. Joy wells up in me, and I look at them, Al, and I say, You haven't. You haven't done enough. You see, your confidence in the face of judgment with Christ does not depend on what you have done. It depends on the power of grace in Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been saying over and over in this series. And so at that moment in which the end is coming, it's not this sense of dread of judgment. It is the reality that we have confidence to stand before our Lord and our judge we have the confidence of Ephesians 2 and verse 8 that, that, that uh, Bill talked to us about. Where, where the Lord is saying to us through the Spirit, For by grace you have been saved through faith, listen, and this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. You didn't earn it. And then the confidence comes from Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Where Paul reminds them there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the power of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, life in Christ Jesus, has set you free 
from the law of sin and death. And, and, I, and I really particularly like 1 John here in verse 4. Where he says, and he's talking to them about the love they have for God and the love that God has for them and how this love is being united together. And then he says, by this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Not dread, but confidence, knowing that our grace has grown bright unto our eternal salvation. And then, and, and, and then this, this grace of the end is something that I believe should create and does create expectations of something better. I, you've heard it this morning in the prayers. You see it on the news. You experience it in your own life. That even though we have all of these great blessings of life in God, there's still evil in our world. There are still heartbreaks and heartaches that we endure through life. There are still many challenges and failures of the body and of the mind. And this is all a result of the fallen world in which we live and the world that will not be revived. But even though we live in this type of darkness, in this type of dimness, generally speaking, as we do, it can be very, very demoralizing and bleak, can it not? But grace at the end is that thing that I'm telling you is creating within us this great expectation of something better. As we get to the end and we see what's happening in the darkness and the dimness sometimes of life coming in, we have in front of us this great expectation of something better than anything that we've ever experienced before in this world. That we have this sense that there is on the horizon something far, far greater than this world. And that's why we sing, I've got a mansion, right? Just over the hilltop, look at that expectation, just over the hilltop where I'll never grow old. And I'll never more wander, but walk the streets of purest gold. You see, grace allows us to look beyond this world and see something greater and brighter on the horizon that's coming our way and that's going to be a blessing in our life for eternity. This great expectation, family, is no fairy tale. This great expectation is no opiate of the masses. But this great expectation is the true assurance of grace at its brightest. And it's this grace, and I I want you to see what comes out of this. It's grace at its brightest that has this power to promise this amazing transformation that takes place in our lives. When you look at Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 42 and following, you're going to see that Paul wants us to know and wants the Corinthians to know there's a great transformation coming in your life. I know that when you're buried, he says, you're 
you're going to be buried in bodies that are perishable and ignoble, he says, that are weak and simply natural and mortal. But when the transformation comes, he's wanting them to understand that when the transformation comes by the power of grace, they're going to be raised up, changed, and transformed into something that is imperishable. People and lives that are full of honor and strong and spiritual and immortal and heavenly. That's the promise of the coming transformation. But in this grace, there's also the promise of a coming glory as well. We can expect in our lives to experience this major shift away from the, the afflictions of this world and into the glory to come. Listen to how Paul expresses this. This is our expectation. Therefore, he says, listen to the dimness and the darkness. We do not lose lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Watch the glory coming. Watch the grace coming. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. And and, and I'm not sure I know exactly what all of that glory looks like. But I believe as I look at it that it's going to be this incredible uh, shift from the ignobility and the difficulties and the ugliness that can be in our world to one in which we are only experiencing the goodness and all of the blessings that God has to offer us. But then lastly, this grace is a grace that promises Christ's likeness. You see, we can expect, here's John's words, we can expect to be like Jesus. Listen. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we shall see Him just as he is. And once again, as I look at that, and and as I look at the different writers out there, it's difficult to determine what it means to be just like Jesus, that one day we're looking forward to a time in which we'll be just like Jesus. But at the very least, what I see here is that there is a time coming in your life, in my life, where we're going to be like Jesus in that we will no longer be in this world of ungodliness. And we'll no longer be in this world of brokenness. But we're going to be like Jesus because we're going to be with Jesus in the presence of our Father enjoying the love and the fellowship and the peace that comes from Him for eternity. That's what it means to be like Jesus. As life grows dimmer, grace grows brighter. The end. Not the end of my sermon. I didn't mean to get your hopes up. But the end. Oftentimes, it's the end. The coming of death that brings such great dimness into our lives. 
it brings into our lives the faltering of vitality. It comes to this point when all of our hopes in this world fade and human dignity fails. But the message this morning is that that moment, when that moment comes, you're really, really going to love grace. Because you see, as this life grows dimmer, grace ever grows brighter. This morning, I hope you're living in the brightness of grace. That you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That you've repented of your sins. You've named him as your Lord. You put him on in baptism. And he raised you to walk in this grace each and every day until he gives you that grace of heaven. I hope you've done that. If you haven't, do it today while we stand and while we sing.